What's up, y'all? Welcome to the Rideshare Rodeo, gig economy news and interviews, sponsored by Para and ParaWorks. I'm your host, SJ. It's time to get it on. What's happening, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Rideshare Rodeo Audio Podcast. Oh, gosh, it's good to be back, everybody. So um, since I've been... I want to talk about something here real quick. Since I've been doing... um, There was a lot of crossover. We've talked about this, you know, between the other social platforms and whatnot, and building out YouTube and bringing some of those pieces here, which now still every Tuesday you guys get an an audio podcast drop here. But you also get the R3 Rideshare Rodeo Roundtable dropped on Friday, which is from YouTube. But this is the original audio podcast, and for a long time I was bringing YouTube pieces or other pieces here. And now I'm back to just doing the audio podcast as its own entity. I had a lot of uh, listeners and other people ask if I would just go back to this style, because this style has led to a lot of opportunities that I have been able to have. And um, one of the biggest ones, we talk about it a lot, is that one thing that I think that the Rideshare Rodeo podcast does for the gig economy that most podcasts don't is that it's not, I'm not sitting on one side of the table or the other. You know, I'm, of course, like everybody, I have my opinions on things, you know, like I think, and I, and I can somewhat, you know, I'm also doing things of, you know, trying to speculate. Now, I mean, even if you're not doing it vocally, publicly, on some level, most of us do that ourselves. We process things, we see what's going on with these apps, or if let's just keep it to one app. You've been, let's say you've been with an app for, um, with DoorDash for before, since the, before the pandemic, through the pandemic to now, you probably have speculated some of the changes and why and what they're doing. And I mean, that's just, that's just human nature, right? So I like to be able to have all sides of a discussion, whether it be about the politics behind the gig economy, whether it be um, around the labor laws surrounding independent contractor status in the gig economy, whether it be other gig economy content creators, whether it be law professors, um, CEOs, founders, legal people, um, you know, I, I literally can't think of a walk of life, CTOs, CEOs, um, CFOs. I can't think of anything that hasn't walked through this Rideshare Rodeo studio in the now 239 podcasts that have dropped. This is podcast number 239. That's right, guys. We're 11 away from the big 250. That's a quarter of a thousand, man. That's that's pretty good. Um, and I know there's a lot of videos up on YouTube and stuff that I've done too, but you know, these audio podcasts, 
they take a lot of planning and um, I'm, I'm glad to have moved back into this space. And while I'm hitting on this, I want to say that on the YouTube side of things, things operate very differently. And I know that even a lot of my audio podcast listeners specifically do not go to the YouTube side of things because of the environment that YouTube is. I can say that I've seen the pros and the cons of the YouTube environment. I've made some good friends through YouTube. I have also learned the truth about a lot of people through YouTube. Um, I've learned about, um, you know, misleading things and, and other things that I never... I never wanted, I never imagined I would be in a situation where within a, a subgroup on a niche social platform such as YouTube and in a specific, uh, you know, a lot of people call it gig tubers, but I don't, I don't want to refer to it as that. Um, I, I'm just going to say gig content creators on YouTube. Um, I've never really, you know, in the podcasting world, I got to know a lot of the audio podcast people who do gig economy stuff. Um, starting with, I got to give props to my, to my brothers in Michigan, uh, Jason Thierry and Jesper. Um, thank you guys for everything. Uh, those guys have been amazing. Um, and Jason has just been a source of knowledge for me as well as a good friend helping me get this audio podcast and sound dialed, which is something when I first went to, uh, to the YouTube side, I warned people, this isn't going to sound as good. And I mean, I'm sure that even some of the things I bring you on Friday here, just don't have this sound, you know, this kind of clarity. Um, and when, even when I have guests on this, I can clean it up a bit. But uh, now that now that all this is done, all the socials are created, you can go to ridesharerodeo.com, find all the news we're talking about and everything. I do want to say that um, now that the audio podcast is back, that drops every Tuesday, uh, it will be back to the rules of the audio podcast that has always dropped on Tuesday, which is, you know, look, there aren't rules, really. Look, I, for those of you who aren't, aren't aware, let me just give you a little bit of... I, I don't even need to touch on the YouTube stuff, but let me tell you how I do the audio podcast. So I look through news all week. I'm doing other content and putting it on other socials, and I'm constantly putting things together. And then Sunday, uh, I'm usually scheduled to record on Monday, whether I have a guest or not to uh, record and then clean it up and get it ready to schedule to post on Tuesday morning for for audio podcast drop on all platforms that you can think of for audio podcasts. Um, So one of the things that has always stood true for the audio podcast is that you need to, um, we need to be respectful of other people. So if we need to talk about a subject and that subject is, you know, let's even if we're talking politics, even like one thing about the audio podcast, I love it because we can go there. You know, on, on YouTube, if you mention politics in the wrong light, you could have your video pulled or your channel pulled. Well, on the audio podcast, I can talk about what I want. This is my, this is my podcast. Um, so we've got into some deep things. I just kind of try and watch who the guest is, you know, before you, you don't want somebody that's too just one sided. But I also, you know, if we need to talk about, so even a president or a president-elect, during the politics time, we can do that. We're not going to sit here and spend the whole time d- 
dissing on one side or the other, but if as it relates to the conversation, we can do that. If we need to talk about the CEO of Uber or Tony Hsu or Derek Kashashawi or any of these people, Logan Green, any of them, yeah, we are going to need to have a conversation about words about those people. Now, to put things that we talk about here on the podcast into perspective, um, we do not need to put that type of context on other people, content creators, other podcasters, things like that. Like, that's not what this is. Um, that kind of stuff is what's over on YouTube. And I think it's what's led you a lot, many of you audio podcast listeners to, to not be so into YouTube. Um, I, to be honest, I don't blame you. Um, I do, I will say that, you know, like, I hope that some of you are over, I know some of you are over on YouTube, um, that listen to the audio podcast, but I hope more come over and check out my stuff. I do try and keep it like this. Um, for the most part, you know, we, we have some fun too, obviously on some of the things, but, um, we do not throw, you know, we're not throwing people under the bus. We're not looking to make a beef. We're not looking to do that. And that's something that I usually go through with my guests. So as we keep going forward here with the Back to the original gangster OG audio podcast rideshare rodeo podcast. Um, that this this is going to come back into play because the only way that I've had people from all sides of the spectrum. I mean, I can't tell you guys in the first fifty episodes how many people like were emailing me or contacting me and saying I don't really understand where you sit because you said in podcast number and these are arbitrary. 22, you said that you are anti-union, you hate unions, blah, blah, blah. And on episode 23, you had Willie Solace from the Gig Worker Collective, who is one of the biggest union people that there is. And I've said, listen, A, on, again, the arbitrary numbers, but as I said at 22, in that episode, I did not say I hate unions. I said, I don't think they apply to the gig economy, nor have they applied to many things I've done in my life. I would not want to be in a union. I would not want to pay dues. Um... Now, is that across so across the board that I'm not even willing to look at it and opt and and at least think about it? No. If I took a job in a in a career field I had never been in before, and it had a union option, would I just say nope, or would I at least look at it? If I had no idea what it was, I would at least look at it. I probably do go in with a little bit of a more bitter taste than most. Um, being from Michigan and watching what the car industry did. There was a time when unions actually did something. There was a time when being part of a union meant something, as I feel. Um, these days, you know, fire, police, do they need them? Sure, they do. Are they the best unions in the world? Not even close. Um, does the te- do the teachers need a union? I think they do. Is the teachers union, uh, a, is it a good union? Is it intact? Are there good people running it? Again, I'm going to give you my opinion. I don't think there are good people running it. I think it's a travesty. I think it's a nightmare. I think it needs a 100% overhaul. However, I believe there needs to be a teacher union. Um, so there's times and places. I don't think that, look at the gig economy was, we can say that it was created by this, 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 and the other. And, and again, guys, because I do gig work way before the online app-based platform gig economy and the gig apps as we refer to them. But these apps were created with, with the notion that the people who would be doing the work were independent contractors. Now, when Travis uh, Kalanick, who was the CEO founder of Uber, started Uber in California, 
He started it like anybody would any business. You can think what you want of Travis. He 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 is not um he's not without his flaws. Okay. <laughs> there's no doubt about that. However, he started something that was a business where in this country what he did was legal to do and they allowed it. For 10 years they allowed it. They allowed all these other companies to come around and follow that Travis Kalanick model of independent contractor working and no real book brick and mortar business. In fact, most of these companies don't even have assets. I mean, let's be honest. Uber does a lot of juggling, you guys. It's it's you hear the term smoke and mirrors a lot, right? Well, I think of it more like a juggling act because investors aren't that dumb. Well, what is VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing? It's coming in 2025. Well, okay. When's autonomous coming? 2024. When's full autonomous coming? 2023. Wait, what? You said 2024. No, it's 2023. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, when's, a, you know, all this stuff. And then it's like, oh, they always are moving the goalposts more down the line. Oh, it's going to be 2028 now. But lately even, they've been called out on so much BS, like with VTOL, they just sold it. And then, you know, we start slipping into a recession and then they and then um, Russia and the Ukraine get into their situation. And Yandex, who we had bought most of our uh, autonomous from this last time, Uber anyway, um, Yandex is located in, in Russia or was and they bought Yandex. Well, they sold it back to them as soon as that as soon as the Ukraine battle started. So there was an option in there to get out. But I have a, here's my thing. It has nothing to do with Russia or Ukraine or which of these stupid ventures that Uber gets into. And when I say stupid ventures, do I think autonomous will will never happen? Absolutely not. I mean, I think it will. I think it will be, but I think that these, I think every single company lies on the timeline. Every single one of them. And it's, it's do they not know and they're just lying? No, they absolutely, for fact, know that the dates that they're saying will not happen. I have talked to more than enough people. I've, I've even had them on the podcast. Many of you have probably even heard. I've had some of them straight up admit it. Hey, this is those, you know, those are dates. This is like, we've had people explain it like those are salesmen for us who are, you know, overstepping kind of like, well, I mean, that's your that's your that's your ball to drop whether you talked that guy wrong or gave him wrong information it's still yours anyway the audio podcast is back everybody we're back um i want to talk real quick about this uber team that launched um this week or that lost launched over the past few weeks so it's uber team is um goes against everything i've ever known with uber it's pretty crazy to me that uber is um, finally allowing this, even though I, I've already seen the reasons why, I'm still very surprised. I'm very surprised that since day one, it's always been no unaccompanied minors, period. It's like, no matter what other rule changed with Uber, no unaccompanied minors was ever, ever okay. And we were told to cancel and to get your $5 cancellation fee and move on. We were even told that by Uber. Most of the time, Uber leaves anything up to you, the driver. It's almost like, hey, we don't allow that, but if you do, that's kind of how they think. And I know that that leaves every driver to think, well, if I could do this, and if they sent the order through, I mean, it must be legal. I think we've talked enough on here that, you know, many of you at least understand at this point that 
not everything, and I know this is this goes a little bit beyond what some people are willing to accept. Some people are like, no, that can't be true. It is true. You guys can do all the digging you want. Um, but um, not everything that Uber allows its drivers to do is legal. And now by that, I mean, if you're in, instantly saying, what, you're saying they do illegal things? What, what illegal thing? I'm not saying they do illegal things. I'm saying that they don't have the permissions of the government whether it be this country, any of the other countries Uber is in, whatever, they don't have the permissions to beta test a lot of their features. Um, they don't have, I mean, look at you guys. We'll start with the easy one. Uber doesn't have a, Uber says that you have to carry X amount of insurance. You have to be insured for this, this, and this. And you have to make sure that you have the proper insurance through your insurance company to be able to do ride share or grocery delivery or food delivery or whatever. Now, um, Uber makes you upload insurance every six months. You have to upload your proof of insurance. 100% of Uber drivers will need to upload their proof of insurance before to go online before the last day of the proof of insurance they have listed on Uber. However, zero, zero percent of Uber drivers are checked to make sure that they carry the right insurance. Zero percent. The company invests nothing, zero, zero dollars into making sure you have the right insurance. So why even upload it? Why even upload it? Why even upload registration? Why upload, you know, anything more than like your driver's license? Why? Because proof of insurance, I mean, like you guys are, I mean, I'm not trying to tell anybody to do this. In fact, you never should at all. But I mean, like if you have insurance and then you find out, let's say you paid six months and you're a month in, so you've used one month of your six months and then you realize, oh my gosh, I just got a bid from this other insurance company. It's cheaper. You don't, you don't have to say, oh crap, man, I paid six months. I'll wait. And um, and I'll switch in five months when this one ends. You can get the insurance, the, the, the one that you want to get now, and then you can cancel your insurance. And insurance companies don't have a choice. They have to pay you for not, not a portion, but for every unused day. So in a six-month period, they're calling that 180-day billing cycle, right? So if you used 30 days, they have to pay you back for 150 of those days based on the price you paid divided by 180. That's the day price. 150 times that day price is what they owe you. And they owe it to you to the day. So, you know, there's, I don't know, if you're not going to make sure that they're carrying the right insurance, if you're not even going to put human eyes on it, and this is something that we want to talk about too, is that this AI stuff is getting way out of hand, you guys. Um, that's something I'm going to hit on a little bit next week. I want to talk about this 100% artificial intelligence um, that is being integrated into these, beginning with DoorDash, but is being integrated into these apps. Because if it's 100% AI, they will literally be able to put their hands up and say, I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't know how you got terminated. And if you're saying, but they already do that now. If I get deactivated, they just say, I don't know. Yeah, but... With the true AI, they'll be able to do that and literally stand in a courtroom, put their hand on the Bible and say it because they don't know. 
nor will anybody at the company because true AI goes beyond human understanding. So it doesn't spit out results for you. It's learning and finding a better way to do the task that you've asked it to do. So Ubertine. Why did I just mention all that? Ubertine. So with Ubertine, guys, I happened to call a few insurance companies. And I said to them, hey, um, this was just general testing. I said that, uh, you know, I, I, I said I have a podcast. And then I just wanted, I said, I'm not looking for exact price, price quoting. I just wanted to know for your rideshare drivers specifically how you're advising them with this new Uber team. You guys are going to be pretty surprised by the results, or maybe you won't. I called three locations, all in Colorado, all in Denver, none of them which are my insurance. Because again, if I need a bid, I'm going to need to give them my social, I'm going to need to give them my insurance, and I wasn't looking to go down that road. I just wanted a basic understanding. So how are you guys working with Uber with this new Uber teen thing that allows teenagers 13 to 17 to ride under their parents' account in a sub-account? And they said, here's two, okay, so all three of the lo- all three of the people I spoke with, none of them even knew this existed. Not one. And these are not mom and pop, nobody insurance companies. These are big ones. And I, not one of them knew it existed. Now, what they did say to me in its defense, though, which was kind of, two of them at least, through all three didn't know, two of them immediately did respond with, well, you're talking about when a driver is picking up a passenger to the time they drop them off, correct? And I said, I said, sure, you can look at it that way. I said, Uber has actually provided a a a parental checkbox agreement where once they do that, the kids can download their own app. And so the kids actually are ordering the cars or ordering the food off their smartphone and then they're getting into the car and stuff. So um so I said they're actually doing phases one, two, and three, not phase zero where the driver's just sitting there, but they're actually involved in all the phases because they're they're summoning him. They're, you know, but yes, technically, yes. As far as you might be concerned, and that's probably a little loophole that Uber used was, I mean, I didn't know they did it for safety too, or so they call it, but I know that part of the parent uh, portal thing is probably so that they can get away from this because I was asked this by two of the insurance people. They said, well, during phase three, now phase three again is where you've, you're getting into the car and your driver is taking you from wherever you are to wherever you want to go. The final phase of a rideshare ride, phase three. And what they said to me was, well, Uber has you covered 100% during phase three, not us. I said, okay. I said, so... Um, I said, I've ha- I happen to have talked to a lot of insurance companies around the country. I do know that not every time, but that, but also not rare. Very often, I know Uber challenges a phase three insurance claim, meaning that Uber says, we have you in phase three. But just so you guys are aware, from lawyers I've talked to, from uh, legal rideshare in Chicago who I talked to, and other people that I know, Yes, Uber has you during phase three, but Uber also has the right to challenge if they need to insure you in phase three of the ride in question in every time that there's a situation because they need to make sure were you, I mean, were you drinking? If you had been drinking, 
then they don't have to do anything. If you know, again, I'm going to use the minor. If you had a minor in the car prior to three weeks ago, they wouldn't cover you during phase three. Are you guys picking up on this? So there's there's like these hundreds of reasons that they can say, nope, not paying that claim. One of which used to, one of the top ones, which used to be unaccompanied minors. Well, now they're just saying they've got you in phase three. So what I said to the insurance agent is I said, oh, I said, have you, I, you know, both of them that said this, I said, have you had um, rideshare drivers who have been in accidents um, and then Uber just pays the full bill? I said, so is that, is that a pretty common thing for Uber to, to just always pay the bill right away? And they said, and both of them admitted, one of them admitted with more emphasis, but um, so I'm just going to work with him at this point. This one person, one of the insurance agents mentioned with a lot of emphasis, actually, no, I said, I've had, you know, like probably a total of five rideshare claims and two of them, not a dollar was paid by Uber. And on both of those, we ended up covering our driver. Um, one was a not at fault for the driver. The other one was, but regardless, they were like, but we ended up paying for that. I said, so just out of curiosity. So it seems like you guys, obviously, in being an insurance company, you guys have done your metrics, you've done your math, you've done your homework, and you've just you've decided that, um, okay, if you know if Uber isn't going to pay, you know, three two out of five claims, or this or that or the other, this is what we need to charge, and here's how we'll work it. But you still work with your clients, your customers. I said, so if I'm a rideshare driver, I come in here and I get the rideshare insurance, not the full. Um, not the full commercial coverage, but the enough where through you, it, I have rideshare coverage. And then I pick up a Uber teen request. And which, by the way, guys, if you don't know me, <laughs> I'm Steve, by the way, and I never pick up minors. I have a son and I can't even imagine the irresponsibility and stupidness it would take to pick up a kid. Um, you guys are risking your entire lives doesn't matter what Uber or anybody says. But let's get back to that. So the insurance, so I said, so if I were to pick up a minor and I were to drive them and Lord, you know, God forbid we get into an accident or something, maybe I'm at fault or the child accuses me of sexual misconduct, which we see often in the papers and things like that. I said, and if Uber says, oh, we're not covering their phase three. I said, that's good to know that you would have me covered then, right? Because I'm a customer of yours. And the I got to tell you, it was like crickets. It was like a pause in the room. And the dude was like, well, no, we would not have you covered at all because you can't take minors in the car. I said, well, don't you see a problem with the fact that you've had five Uber claims where they were supposed to pay the whole thing and even your team said, yes, they need to pay this, the driver is due. And on two of those occasions, they said, we're not going to pay that because they didn't pass our 100 checkpoint list. And then you still paid it, but you're telling me right now you would never pay it under any circumstances at all. Whether even if it was a sexual misconduct allegation that was incorrect, you would still not pay it. And he said, correct. So what I challenge every one of you to do is before you do any Uber teen rides, call your insurance, call a insurance, call, have your significant other or a family member call their insurance. Have If you don't want to do it and you're worried, have somebody else do it for you. And just ask, hey, if I have teenagers in my rideshare vehicle and there's an accident or something and for any reason Uber doesn't cover it, do you guys have me covered? 
if you take the teen part out of that, most insurances will say, well, we have you covered on this, 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 and this, but not this and not that. So, I mean, yes, they're going to help you. When it comes to the teen, they're going to say, no, you're under no circumstances are you covered. And if the family or anything sues, that will be the rest of your life's earnings. So best of luck with that. <sighs> Hopefully I made a point there. Um, <laughs> God, I love the audio podcast. Give me a chant rant. <laughs> okay, guys. Instacart smart carts. I was talking about this before that the Instacart technology, you know, we know that the Instacart budget and value valuation of the company as is doing nothing but tanking, going downhill, collapsing by the minute. Um, however, their technology, not how they pay drivers, not how they charge customers, not their customer service, not their non-brick and mortar businesses, but and not their cloud-based uh, support team that is scattered around the world. That no joke, you guys. The one of the times I called the Instacart support team, the person I had on the phone did not know that Colorado was a state in the United States. Okay, if you don't know that Colorado is a state in the United States, you should not be giving support to a platform in this country. And that, I'm sorry, I don't have two ways around that because that is the proof that we all know exists, which is there is a book that every one of these people opens up and it says, oh, they're mad, go to page four. You go to page four and it's like got eight different responses. Look, we're past that kind of age. So we're going to see AI coming way more into the customer service space. We're going to see AI everywhere. Um, we already are, but I mean, like we're going to see it more and more and more. And that's actually some of the, when we talk about this next week, so that's some of the places that I would like to see AI, AI because I think the customer service sucks for most of these platforms, especially the ones that use out of country. <sighs> Still with me? Good. All right, guys. Um, so Bolt, Bolt AI Europe. I don't know if you guys remember this, but when this company launched, the CEO and founder was like 19 years old or 20 years old. The guy was a genius. He's super smart with um, autonomous vehicles and uh, electric vehicles and in a sensible way too, not in the ha-ha funny way like we talk about with California and stuff, having all these joke dates about 2025 65% of our vehicles will be electric and by 2027, 80%, and then 2029, 100. Yeah, right. Okay. Again, I can never miss the chance to take this dig. I'm sorry, but California, please remember that your governor, the same governor who says EV will be everywhere in 2029, this is the same governor who told all of you to turn off your air conditionings because you were overloading the grid. Okay air conditioning but somehow we're going to have electric vehicle charge charging stations at every single house in in california okay my first question would be like i don't even know if it would be a question i'd probably be laughing for a good 15 to 20 minutes with my side hurting um if i'd eaten recently that's kind of like swimming when you laugh that hard and you so then i'd be in pain a little longer i don't know how long it would take me to get to the question and then by that time, I don't know if it'd be a question or a statement, but it'd be like more like, is there anybody here that's running this state that's not a moron? For real. I mean, we've got, you know, we've got uh, Julie Sue in office saying that she doesn't remember how she voted on Prop 22 or AB5 while she was in charge of labor in California. But she should be in charge of labor for the country. Huh. Yeah. 
Well, back to Bolt for a minute, you guys. So Bolt is Bolt Europe AI um, is launching robot deliveries. We've talked about this, you guys, more and more and more. Um, you know, we talked about this on the roundtable last week. Has food delivery peaked? And I don't mean the peaks and valleys that we've been through. And obviously in the beginning of the panic or in the pandemic, major peak upswing. But I mean, then we've seen peaks and valleys come and go. And some people are like, oh, it's that slow time of year and whatnot. But have we seen it peak? Because I've been doing a lot of research and it seems to me that 15 to $22, like it or not, that seems to be about the average earnings range for DoorDash, Uber Eats, and Grubhub. Um, and I'm talking, I'm not talking market to market right now. I'm talking market to market all combined for the whole country of the United States. That seems to be about the pay 15 to 22 pre expense. There is 22 plus, of course, and there are the people who pull 35, 40 bucks an hour. Those I think are the veteran gig workers, those of us who multi app, um, those of us who take this truly as a business and not just. I have a full-time job and I turn this on 10 to 15 hours a week for my drinking money this weekend. That is not who I'm talking about because those are two completely different mindsets. The person working two shifts a week already has enough money to pay all of his bills and everything else, usually. Usually this is just a little side hustle for some extra um, scratch at the end of a week or whatever you might want to do or just even maybe you're saving up for something. I don't know. But it's not usually a situation where it's like, oh, I got to have the, the us full, uh, we full-time drivers have needed to constantly adapt and find out how to multi-app and help each other. And that's why there's so many good resources out there for this stuff, especially, you know, is it the best time to, to enter the gig economy? I don't think so. Is it, is it never going to get better than now? I also don't think so. I think that we're in a valley right now. I think it'll come back out. Um, but again, like I said, the earnings on what we know, rideshare, this, that, the other, I don't think we'll see those go up too crazy. I think that they've been learning what works, what doesn't. The best thing that could happen is more competition. The more companies that come out, even in local markets, if rideshare companies launch in college cities and somebody starts up one and can get some momentum going or other cities or, you know, like... Um, million plus cities that's a little too much to take on but like college sized towns if you can get like a rideshare company going compete with uber man you know do it um the more we get going the the better this kind of stuff will go but we already know that it's headed towards three trillion gig economy workers by 2025 and that's a pretty realistic stat even from both sides both sides of this of this topic agree that yeah those numbers are pretty right now that's world and you got to remember, it's already it's moving at such an exponential rate around the globe that if anything, we're we're moving much slower in the gig economy, in the app-based gig economy, not the traditional, but the app-based. Um. So, uh, my gosh, do we have enough for this? Transparency, you guys. Um, transparency. I'm not going to touch on this, but for a second. But tomorrow I'm doing a piece with, talk about controversial. This guy's a little controversial. <laughs> um, and I know that I've even had some viewers say, man, that guy's a little, that guy's a little brash or you know, <laughs> whatever. 
Bottom line is, <coughs> you guys know me. I have him on here because he's smart. And I have him on here because he's smart. And a lot of people don't notice that. But when we talk about the topics we talk about, he's very smart in this. And we have done two other um, podcasts together on safety. We're going to be doing one on safety together tomorrow at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific on YouTube. I will drop it over on here on um, either Wednesday or Thursday. I'm not sure. But it's going to be on safety because of Uber Teen, but it's also going to be on how important is full transparency in the gig apps. And the person that's going to be my guest is none other than Roy will be Roy. Real talk with Roy, whatever you want to call Roy. <laughs> Not whatever you want to call Roy, because if you saw Roy, there's a lot of names you probably wouldn't call him. <laughs> um, Roy is, I I know he doesn't like it when I say this, or at least I, I don't think he not, doesn't like it. I know he laughs it off, but Roy's a teddy bear. He is. He's not going to hurt you guys. Um, he has a very, you know, he can be very uh, hardcore about his convictions, but um, these are topics that, again, I choose these people based on who I think would be best to talk about it. So we're going to be doing a thing on that and uh, would appreciate you guys joining us. If not, listen, I will dump it over here a little later this week. Um, and then uh, on the audio side as well. So August 4th and 5th. August 4th is GigCon here in Colorado. You can go to gigworkersconference.com. Find all the information for the 4th. Um, as well as you'll see some information for the 5th. It's not updated yet. But what is August, Saturday, August 5th? That's right. It's the Para Rodeo presents the summit. Can we get to the summit, man? And if you can't get to the summit, which is going to be at Wash Park Grill in Washington Park in Denver, Colorado, on Saturday, August 5th, 2023, from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m., we are going to have a town hall regarding the gig economy. We're going to have Miss Stephanie Vigil here. We're going to have other constituents. We're going to have newspapers. We're going to have Nine News um, audio or video. We're going to have um, um, union delegates. We're going to have non-union delegates. We're going to have the new Rideshare Co-op. Everybody is invited because you know what? A town hall is a town hall. And a town hall where ev all the sides can't be represented, that doesn't really do anything, does it? We got to... And Stephanie had her SB, uh, her Senate Bill 23-098 was taken down by her own party. So we're going to have quite a lot to talk about before this next Congress, before this next session in the House starts so that she can go back in better armed. Um, we're going to have lots of special guests there, you guys. It will be sponsored by ParaWorks, um, Curry, Dumpling, Move, Stephanie Vigil, or Vigil, um, uh, Gary Zapps. All of us are going to be, and then even more, but, you know, I invited Curry and Dumpling, if you're noticing those are the only two companies, because they, Dumpling is 100% transparent because you set the prices, it's your business. Curry's been 100% transparent since day one, and they have a team out here who I have invited. They will be there as well. There's going to be a lot of people there. We're going to have some food and drinks and invite you to come on down. If you are thinking about it, please email me at steve at rideshareradio.com. Steve at rideshowrodeo.com would love to get a little, um, a little, uh, um, hints if you think you're going to come or not. 
But uh, yeah, guys, this is going to be quite an event. We have not done a true town hall for the gig economy. As far as I know, maybe ever, just straight up on the gig economy, streamed it and everything. So if you can't make it, we will be streaming it. But um, we have definitely not had one, even in the country, in person since the pandemic. So this is some definite new ground, you guys. And I hope that even if you can't be, if you can be here in person, be here in person. But we're going to get you some food. We're going to get you a drink. Um, and we're all going to hang out for a bit after too. You know, who knows? Maybe I'll be lucky enough to book some music in there that we'll all enjoy because I know this place pretty well. Um, I know the management. I have worked with them in the bar industry before. And uh, they're going to make it, um, they're going to make it a great uh, room for us and um, a great experience for us. And we're going to make it a great experience for all of you guys. So do not miss it. If you can't join, join in the YouTube stream because maybe you'll see the value in it and, and really want to make it the next time. Or at least if not, you'll at least be able to be part of this. We're going to have some of the Seattle council members who help pass their legislation. Now, tomorrow when I have Roy on the audio podcast, um, Roy, I will tell you right now, is a huge advocate against legislation. As you guys all know, I have been too. So why am I for regulation? Well, um, I'm not. But I don't see another answer right now. And by that, I mean there are things that are going to be done here very shortly if regula regulation is the least of our concerns at this point. From what I've seen, from what I know that's coming down the pipe, October 1st is not that far out, and that's the rule change. Um, if Julie Sue gets nominated, that's a nail in the coffin for the gig economy. Um, if, you know, there's too many ifs, and regulations right now are at the bottom of those ifs. So if we can get some regulations that keep things in place, that might best help us. Now, you guys know me. I am... I have always said I don't want regulations. I don't want regulations right here on this podcast. And it goes back, what, over, you know, going on four years or whatever. So, I mean, like, you guys can go back and you know I'm not down with this. I mean, I'm not down with unions. Does that mean I'm also going to change my stance on unions and go, hmm, I think unions should be in here? No. Will we hear them out at the town hall? Absolutely. Because anybody that can walk in the town hall doors deserves to speak and deserves to be heard. However... Um, will I change my positions on a union? No, not for the gig economy. I, unless the gig, I mean, the only way that I would even have this discussion is if the gig economy transformed into an employee model, and by I mean the, the app-based gig economy, not lasers and lighting and production and things that I've done pre-platform-based. But I'm talking about, you know, the apps. And if they go to an employee model... Well, I don't know that I'd really even need to be in the conversation about unions because I don't think I would be a part of the gig economy. Or, And I, I never want to say never, but I almost could say never. I don't want to be a part of the gig economy if it's an employment model. Now, I again, I never say never because who knows what that could look like. That employment could look like, hey, you have to work one, two-hour shift that we pick every week. And you have to take every order. And for that, we'll make sure, we guarantee at least you make $70 an hour. 
okay, I'll do that deal, DoorDash, and you can and work flex the rest. So, I mean, that would never happen, but I'm just saying I never say never for those reasons. You guys, that said, um, that's a week, and I am I am so happy to be back in here. I did just notice that today's like the first hot day. It's been very cool this summer here in Colorado. But if you guys remember, all of these audio podcasts always take place in one sitting. This this is not edited. This is this is all done at once. But if you remember how I can even really prove that is I've sat through some 110 degree days where I didn't have air conditioning in this house and I couldn't leave the windows open because there was construction and stuff outside. I was just dying. And then in July of 2020, if you guys go back that far, there's a couple episodes where I had COVID long before there was anything that you could really do about COVID other than go to the emergency room and roll the dice on being put uh, into ICU. Um, and I will say, you know, I not that I think it was a wrong idea because some people did need to go to ICU. However, because of the death rates in the ICU and everything else, I was avoiding it like the plague. But I will say this, I did, and it was my son and I locked down at that time together. I did push it as far as you could. Like I, under and under almost every other circumstance in life, I would have gone to the emergency room. But here in Denver, by the, by July of 2020, we were getting press about all these deaths, and I was watching all the deaths in New York City. So I knew people com- were coming in and out of the ICUs with more extreme cases of it and whatnot. And the people who were in ICUs, even though the, you know, they might have been quarantined off to their own area, they were catching the mo- the worst variants of the strain. And so it was just, I mean. <laughs> Look, I'm not blaming the hospitals or anybody. There was really nothing that could be done. Um, we did the best we could, and the hospitals did. Um, but I just did not want to go, and I barely made it through. And then I eventually had to go to intensive care to where I called them first. I think I might have this, but at least, you know, I, I really don't want to go to the emergency room. And I kind of went in there. They didn't have anybody there, and they said, yeah, come on in. They were very cool. There was no vaccine, even whether it has nothing to do with whether or not you got the vaccine. I'm just saying there wasn't even for the people who believed in it or whatnot. That wasn't even a thing yet. We weren't even talking about it. We weren't there. And I went in there and uh, they took care of me. They gave me a couple steroid shots in the butt. And they, uh, <laughs> um, you know, my O2 was just crazy low. Um, to this day, I still have an O2 reader. Um, and I didn't have asthma since I was a little kid. And, you know, here I was at whatever that, that was. I was 48 years old. And they told me, told me I had asthma again. So, um, yeah. I don't even know where I was going with that. All I know is, uh, oh, those episodes, you can go here. You can hear me having COVID at its worst. in like ju- There's like two episodes in July of 2020 where I'm... I'm like, <gasps> to me, it's 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 almost comical that I was even doing the podcasts looking back. However, I actually remember doing those and it was so brutal. And I remember that Jason Thierry, who was helping me get started with all this stuff, had told me, look, pick if you're going to do monthly, weekly, biweekly, whatever you're going to do, and then stick to it. Don't screw it up. If, you, if you're going to do weekly, drop every week. And I remembered that was sticking in my head. That was the only thing that kept me going. So Jason, thank you and F you. (laughs) And I love you. (laughs) All right, guys, that said, that's it for me. I am out of here. 
watch for that piece. Uh, I'll make sure, you know, there's only two drops a week. Occasionally you might see a third one because on the audio podcast, because I feel like dropping something else is a bonus. This one will be a bonus this week. Um, so see tomorrow's Tuesday. It'll probably drop Wednesday. Um, or I'm sorry, it'll probably drop Thursday. Sorry. Uh, and then R3 will still drop on Friday as always. So Tuesday drops the podcast every week, R3 on Friday. And sometimes on Thursday or Saturday, I might throw in a bonus. So this week there will be a bonus on Thursday. Keep your eyes out. And until then, be safe, earn smart, and we will see you back here next week on Rodeo.